0: Welcome to Step Up, the podcast where we learn to advocate like a woman. I'm your host, Ellen Troxclair. Each week, we talk to a different leader about how she became active in policy and politics. Whether it's joining an organization or running for office, I hope you come away feeling not only supported and inspired, but determined to step up and be a part of shaping your community and country. Hey there, I'm Ellen Troxclair, and I'm here with Shoshana Wiseman from R Street. She is the Digital Media Manager and Policy Fellow at uh, this amazing Think Tank. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. So you have a little bit different story than a lot of people that I've interviewed so far for the podcast. You are certainly an influencer. You have over how many followers on Twitter? Uh, fifty thousand. Just just a meager <laughs> fifty thousand. So uh, you've caught the attention of some people. Uh, fifty 000, at least fifty a thousand people on the on the Twitterverse. You are involved in all kinds of. Uh, policy issues, licensing, regulation, and reform being one of them, right? Oh, I love that. That's my baby. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, and and you're you're 26. Yep. So uh, doing all this at a very young age and clearly very passionate and well spoken. Um, and I want to hear all about
1: how you came to be this way so (laughs) thank you so much I really appreciate it um so I have the weirdest story and and uh anytime you think it's it's gonna get less weird it won't um so my dad's a libertarian and my mom doesn't care um but my dad always raised me with a really strong sense of personal responsibility so like one there's a couple of stories in my childhood that really get to like who I am and one was uh in kindergarten all the kids were told okay sit down and don't don't stand up to watch the popcorn being popped so I sat down and everyone else stood up and I was really upset because I couldn't see it. And then the teacher gave me popcorn first and I'm like, oh, I feel all special, but also like... I don't follow the crowd. I don't have that in me. I just kind of do what I want. Um, and and this would be a good time to mention that you have purple hair. Oh yeah, that that's true. Literally. I have rainbow yeah. hair. Um, so it starts out rainbow. You can fade. pull it off. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, but I've always wanted to dye my hair blue. I actually did for a while, but um, so when uh I, I became Republican when I was eight, and that was that was when I when started. When you were eight? Yeah. Okay. Um, because I I was pro life at the time, and I started to think about the issues, and I my dad explained stuff to me in a neutral way, and he was always very good that way. Um, but when I got sick when I was 13, I have a bunch of diseases. It's all good, but when you are you have a lot of time on the couch, you get bored. So yeah. I watched a lot of Fox News, and I fell in love. I'm like, this is what I want to do. So once I got better, the surgeries were done, all that stuff, I got involved in local politics, worked my way up there, interned and volunteered. Um, lots of hours of door knocking. Um, and it was really fun, but, um, but that's kind of how this all came to be. When I moved to D.C. for the George Washington University, I got involved here and now I'm I have a job that I never thought would be my dream job but it absolutely is um, and it just followed lots and lots of nerding <laughs> That's, so you were so it sounds like you were pretty sick as a kid yeah so I have endometriosis which I won't explain because it's gross um, Crohn's disease um, which is just basically really bad stomach issues um, and um, fibromyalgia which means I'm tired and in pain all the time which sounds worse than it is but um, when you're used to it like you don't notice the pain or at least in my case I don't notice the pain the reason I found out it was I was getting sick all the time and low immunity is one of the things that goes hand in hand with it so now I'm on a medication to control it but um, but yeah it really helps you to see the bright side of stuff because otherwise it's like oh do I just want to feel sick all the time
0: yeah so it doesn't and, and it sounds like those are kind of ongoing oh, yeah. things that you deal with ongoing it's not like oh well I was so right. better now right oh yeah
1: it's lifelong stuff Um, the fibro makes me kind of like weak and tired so I totally over Compensate by like having lots of energy the endo is just pain sometimes it's, it's mostly subsided but it's it's reasonable um and the ibd slash Crohn's, like basically just i get sick in the mornings a lot so i don't eat breakfast anymore and that helps but it's a lot of like listening to my body and it's always kind of in the back of my head but, um, but when you remember what it's like to be so sick, you can't walk a block without just being in lots of pain. It just makes you appreciate when, like, now I hike 3,000-foot mountains, you know? right? Yeah,
0: well, I mean, that's such a great attitude to have Thank that you. you've... Um, dealt with all of those challenges and are still not just overcoming them, but, you know, doing a lot more than a lot of us
1: are capable of doing. (laughs) Thank you. um, So, yeah. Well, one thing is my dad, he raised me with a personal responsibility. But when I was sick, he had students with cancer who were still going to school. And he tried to push me, being like, look, these kids aren't even going to live a few more years. Like, why don't you just try to do better? And at times he might have pushed me a little too hard, but it was good for me because it gave me that resilience. I was always the kid who would cry at the drop of a hat. And that kind of changed with this because doctors didn't believe I was in pain and it took 20 doctors to get my diagnosis. Just, And it's a pretty simple thing, but they didn't believe me. But when you have to learn to advocate for yourself, like that kind of changes the way you think. And that's something I use today where I still have the kindness and like I'm very sweet and wonderful to everyone, but I also have a backbone now that I gained then. And um, I think everyone goes through different things in life and everyone has their challenges. But like for me, it's always just how, how you make it through and how you come out and what you can gain from it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah that's, that's, that's amazing. And I Thank love you. the idea of that's how you learned. You learned to advocate for yourself yeah. at a very young age. And so now you're advocating in a different capacity exactly. uh, on different issues. But it
1: really gave you that drive. It's funny, too, because I remember if I told doctors certain things like the, the way the pain worked, they wouldn't believe me. But if I played it down a little bit then I could kind of watch their reaction and see how they were. And that's kind of been a lesson I've taken into uh, policy marketing. That you kind of think, what are people going to be open to? What messages are just going to make people think, oh, no, I'm not listening to this, or this is wrong. But what messages will kind of keep the ears open? Um, How to get to people? What messages everyone will agree with? Not just, um, oh, you know, in the case of the doctors, not just the doctors who, you know, are trying hard and are good, but all doctors so you can get what you get out of it. Or in the case of people, different parties, different backgrounds, the, the stuff that's kind of it's not milk toast but it's not controversial and and figuring your way out there so the ears are still open and you can get your message through
0: how, how what a perceptive lesson to have learned from that because in politics it, you know there's there's we hear the talking points from either side a lot and uh, as a conservative myself I Talk a lot about individual responsibility and uh, uh, economic liberty and uh, free markets and all these things. That I mean, does that really resonate with the with the average person? I don't know. But as in your role, with what you've been through, you. Have the I guess flexibility and know-how now to kind of put messages out there in a way that people will be open to hearing and then able to understand. It sounds like
1: definitely. And I I'd worked on the right my whole life, and our street leans right, but it's it, we have Democrats on staff and Republicans and all different sides of it, which I like because that also means like if I'm turning off my colleague to an idea, then maybe I should rethink how I talk about huh. it. And we we work with Democrats and Republicans, anyone who will work with us. But um, but you know I wasn't just like masterfully a great policy messenger took a lot of time um at america rising pack um where i used to work uh right that was my first job out of college um and okay. i've worked all through college and but, what's that oh um it was a republican oppo research group oh. and i did uh our digital media okay um but my boss was tim miller who uh, worked for jeb after a lot of people know him from there um but he he kind of taught me just like why why are you telling democrats that like h- that this candidate is, is a liberal of course they know that what don't they know what do th- do they know that they can't trust this person on these issues that they flip-flopped or something that just appeals to everyone and he started getting me thinking that way so i kind of took that and then the lessons i had learned about how to talk to people and i kind of brought those together and it's taken years and lessons from people all over i pull ideas from everywhere because i'm i'm not like this just masterful person who comes up with everything but i kind of like taking the things that i think work and figuring Figuring it out. And like over time, um, one of my favorite stories is just uh, when I was at the Weekly Standard, I got libertarian Tumblr and liberal Tumblr to share Bill Crystal quotes on foreign policy. They love neocon stuff when I didn't label it, but they're like, oh, this guy seems to be right about this issue. Uh, I'm like, not sure why this is happening, but I'm glad it is. So you kind of like take all of life's lessons and bring them together, and weird but good stuff can happen. <laughs> yeah, well, you've, you've been
0: able to distill it all very quickly and and employ it at a young young age, I guess, Thank right? Thank you.
1: I also work a lot. Um, I'm quite a bigot of a work but it's because of boredom. I get bored if I'm not doing stuff. Yeah. Well, and you're clearly having fun.
0: You're, oh yeah. That's, that's another part of it. You can see, I mean, I can tell that you're passionate about what you do Thank you. and that makes it, that makes it easy to become better at it. Right. Cause, yeah. you, cause you, you're, you're naturally inclined to just want to want to be the best at your exactly at your yeah
1: and I'm, I'm, I've am I'm always just enjoyed work for its own sake but getting to experiment and try all different things and at R Street I, it's the best of all the jobs I've had each one gets better and this one like I, they, they let me work on fundraising and other stuff just get my hands on everything so I'd never worked with fundraising and I started to learn how that works and how all parts of the organization and all parts of things work um, and I've done some more communications work I, I've done some of it in the past mostly digital but here I've gotten to do traditional just in my free time because I love learning and understanding here's how the thought process works behind that and for me it kind of everything works together and makes the other things better like oh I learned this here how about I try applying it here and then I take the data and download it into Excel sheets and figure it out from there but it's it's just never ending fun for me yeah well
0: so what so explain to the people who might not be familiar with R Street like what what is a think tank what is R Street what do you do
1: so um, think tanks do policy. We come up with policy ideas, and it varies. You know, the Heritage's, the AEI's, and the Cato's often do the big ideas. These are the the guiding principles. Um, and we have them from older philosophers, but you want to kind of adapt them to the new day to figure out, is this still working? Are there different thought processes we should take? But uh, these and other think tanks, um, less so these, but other think tanks kind of implement it. Like, we take the, the big ideas and the guiding principles, and ours are free markets and real solutions. Basically, free market policy you can just implement. Like that's if you if you took it off our website you could make it work. Um, not just the big idea, which on all parts are important, but it's just different. So for us, we work on stuff that not everyone wants to do. So I've learned to market flood insurance reform, which doesn't sound sexy until you learn that people are dying and like we're spending millions of dollars for uh, for destroying homes because we're building in flood zones and that's bad and we shouldn't be doing that. Or um, on criminal justice reform policy, you would learn about things you might not have. Like I grew up um, thinking more tough on crime. But learning from us, I've I've just learned how the bail system doesn't work Mm -hmm. right. And it kind of punishes poor people rather than the dangerous people. Like, Mm -hmm. of course, you might not want um, a a potential murderer to get out on bail. But the bail system works more on money than on on severity of the crime. Um, We also do energy policy um, licensing reform. We kind of started doing that because I wanted to. I'm like, hey, guys, I love occupational licensing reform. And my colleague loves it, too. So we just started doing it. And we've kind of become the go-to on national solutions. There's very few, but there's a handful that still respect federalism and lots of other issues, but it's it's a really fun place to work. We're also a fun think tank. Um, we really don't put limits on what we can all say. Um, we don't swear on our Twitter, I swear on mine, <laughs> but um, we'll put out memes when a congressman does something we like, we'll thank him with a gift. or when a state legislator does, we'll send him a meme or something like that. We, we want to be fun to work with, and we also work across party lines, so whoever's willing to implement our ideas, we're all here for I mean, it. So,
0: nonpartisan, uh, broad range of issues, although uh, not the kind of headline issues of right. tax policy and social issues, the more nitty gritty stuff that's still really important, and somebody yeah. should still be paying attention to, uh, you get you guys get to kind of do what you want in that realm and advocate how you want and work with who you want and uh, and have fun doing it.
1: That sounds awesome. It's really funny. Um, uh, for one of the national licensing reform uh, ones, uh, Rubio and Warren had worked together on it. So on my wall, I have a thank you note from Senator Elizabeth Warren and Senator Marco Rubio for like helping them on it. And it's just so funny. Like who would have thought like that they're the ones. And we just worked with Senator Cotton's office on another bill. And um, I didn't get it thank you. No, 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 it's fine. But um, but it was great to work with him and Senator Shaheen co-sponsored. So it's nice to have that. Hey, let's come together and do licensing reform. And that's all I want. <laughs> so what is, what is it? OK, so explain to people what is licensing reform? So um, you want your doctor to have a license. You want to make sure your doctor, your surgeon, all that stuff that they know what they're doing. But in a lot of states, you need a license to braid hair or in Louisiana to arrange flowers. And you might think, oh, well, maybe there's a good reason for it, but there's not. And there's evidence to prove that that there's not. Um, And there's lots of uh, nerdiness that goes into it, but at bottom, when you need a government license to do something, first that restricts your freedom, and if you're gonna restrict freedom, there has to be a good reason. Also, it restricts supply, which means that there's fewer professionals because fewer people can overcome the the cost of whether schooling, or um or just getting and paying for the license uh to become the professional and when people move across state lines um the license doesn't transfer except now governor ducey in arizona and um the philadelphia governor tom wolf, sorry the pennsylvania governor tom mm-hmm. wolf recently did it uh copying him but it's a good copy um but it's it's something that kind of you face every day, but might might uh, might not think about, um, and it hurts poor people most because the more expensive stuff is, um, the fewer poor people who can afford it because prices go up, and then um, poor people also have more trouble becoming the professionals because of the, the cost barriers, and even if you pay for their schooling, you know there's other financial costs that just happen in life that that's not going to take care of.
0: So I'm a realtor in my in one of the many hats that I wear. I'm a realtor, so I guess that means so. And, and and I can't believe it's already gotten much more difficult to become a real a licensed realtor uh, here in Texas than when I got my license. There's a lot more uh, classes. It's a lot stricter. It's a lot uh, a lot more difficult. And well, yeah, like, like you said, for some professionals, that is, it is, you need to have some kind of bar, uh, but. For others, it's really just a bit more of a barrier, and it's expensive, and that means that at that cost, it's not only expensive for the person who is becoming the professional, but then that cost is ultimately getting passed on to the consumer that's using their services, right? Exactly. If you need a a license to hair braid and the license costs $100, well, then you're going to have to increase your your cost to to have your hair done, right?
1: Exactly. Uh, and it's frustrating because you see this hurting poor people. And there's, there's so many sides to the issue. Like in, in Arizona, a guy was cutting hair for the homeless. So he'd he his is, uh, he'd been homeless himself. And um, and he, in, in memory of, of his mother, he was cutting hair for the homeless just to do a good thing. Well, while he was in cosmetology school, the state board cracked down on him saying, you don't have a license. This is illegal. And Governor Ducey, who is the greatest human alive. I'm, I'm a huge fan of his work. <laughs> even when we disagree i he has a good heart and he he really cares about people and also wants to get government off their backs so he Crack down on the cosmetology board saying this guy is helping homeless people what the heck are you doing so he stepped in to protect him but you don't hear about when government doesn't step in to right protect them and you
0: shouldn't need that i mean yeah. you shouldn't right it's like it shouldn't have taken it taken yeah. that kind of action to... i could take
1: a scissor i won't but i could take a scissor to your hair right now and it's fine i could use a trim but yeah. if you pay me that's when the crime happens ah, so okay. the fact that so much of this is dependent on money not other factors kind of tell you a little bit about it. That's true. Um, but this, it really comes back to hurt poor people every step of the way. Um, and it's really frustrating. So I fight it because uh, the story that actually got me into it, um, it there's this woman, Sandy Meadows, in Louisiana. Uh-huh. And she was arranging flowers. Um, she she was an elderly widow. She never had to provide for herself, but she knew how to arrange flowers. So she worked for a grocery. Um, she had failed the, Lu- the Louisiana florist test. Not because she was a bad florist. Her clients loved her. Um, the test was a written test. And also, you had to make a floral arrangement and have licensed florists judge it. Of course, they don't want more competition, so they fail lots of people. Oh. They failed more people than the Louisiana bar exam. What? So it was for floral arrangements. Yeah, for floral arrangements. Oh my gosh! They eventually got rid of that test, but the rest of the test is still there, unfortunately. And she, so she, the they had to fire her because the government said, "Hey, you're she's not licensed," which is insane. And just because she was arranging flowers and trying to provide for herself, she she. Uh, uh, she ended up in poverty, um, and um, and IJ helped the Institute for Justice represented her, and my friend Clark Neely, who is one of the most amazing people and best messengers on this issue you'll ever meet, and a fantastic litigator. Um, he he helped provide he and IJ helped provide for her electricity to make sure she was comfortable, but she ended up dying in in discomfort because government wouldn't my gosh and it that i he's told the story many story. times and every time i read it it just feels so wrong and i don't want there to be more any more sandy meadows i don't want government to tell someone you're going to end up poor because we don't want you to do this thing for no reason even though you're not harming anyone flower arranging yeah
0: i just want to make sure yep. flower yeah. arranging <laughs> license for flower arranging okay uh okay so Let's talk about Twitter.
1: How do you get fifty thousand Twitter followers? So, uh, for the first couple of years, I was terrible at it. I didn't even reach a thousand. I'm like, I don't. I was okay. I was just mainly—it's it's ridiculous. I was a Mitt Romney fangirl. I loved Romney so much. I loved his economic policies. These things, we don't always agree as much. I've gone more libertarian. Yeah. But, um, but at uh, at America Rising Pack, I started just getting better at the craft of social media. I'd been working on it since college. When I was nineteen, I managed comms and digital for a guy running for Congress. So I started to learn new ways of reaching people and not just Twitter, but creating a LinkedIn group. So all his friends in D.C. who were uh, who were donors could keep up to work because they mm-hmm. weren't on Twitter. They were on LinkedIn and starting to think through it like that. Um, at Rising, Tim Miller really helped me think through the comms aspect of it. Um, and then at the Weekly Standard, I started to gain lots of followers. Um, I just memed a lot and like people appreciated it. And um, I got really good with memes. And then um, I think at the Standard, at a certain point, I just... Right now. I stopped caring what people thought. Like, I started phasing in the blue hair, which I had for a little while as a teenager. But in politics back home, it wasn't cool. So I I stopped. Um, But here, everyone was fine. I asked Bill Kristol, like, can I dye my hair rainbow? And he's like, we don't care. So I did. And then people started to like that. And everyone was kind of like, oh, what? Who's this, like, libertarian conservative with the rainbow hair? And just being myself more ended up working, which I'm glad because I like being myself. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So... Um,
0: man, 50,000 though. That's crazy. So do, uh, what, what about, how do you deal with the, with the trolls and the haters? Cause that's, I mean, social media is a scary place these days. You can either, yeah. um, well, first of all, I, sh- I struggle with, ma- with mastering the different platforms. It's like, there's yeah. all different ways to be, there's a different audience for each different Absolutely. platform and a different way to be successful. So is Twitter your, Twitter kind of the go-to for you?
1: Yeah. Because the people I want to reach are are there and they're ready attention. to be reached there. Like, for a while, Snapchat was a hot thing, and it's like, no, your policy organization should not be in Snapchat unless there's a really narrow reason for it. Okay, um, Because even if the people you want to reach are there, they're not ready for it at the time. Okay, But the stuff I like, when people are on Twitter, they're ready for it, and it, it kind of works out, you know?
0: Yeah, so look for the audience that you're trying to reach and figure out whatever, focus on whatever platform they're yeah. really paying attention to. Um, okay, and then, I mean, it is... Uh, it's hard. It's hard to deal with. You always have more supporters that agree with your stuff than probably put themselves out, than than, than respond or say something. Right. Um, but people, the the criticism and the judgment is
1: yeah is real,
0: is real, right?
1: I've been really lucky. My followers are really kind to me and will joke around and stuff. So the haters are a very small uh, amount compared, or a very small percentage. And I have many kinds. So there's some Nigerian prince scammers in my DMs, and I just make them say ridiculous stuff and when they're like, oh, where do you live? I'm like, oh, I live on Pluto. And I I keep them going for as long as I can. I screenshot it and tweet it. Everyone likes it. Actually, uh, Congressman Aaron Schock has been being catfished, like he, people have been yeah, using his photo because a lot of these accounts use military members, and he, since he serves in the military, they've been using his photo, and because he's attractive, hey, Kinsinger, if you're out there, no, I'm kidding, but um, but he he has a good picture to use because he's an attractive guy in the military. So people are creating fake accounts, right. that are saying that they're him. They're not. Right, and okay, they basically okay. try to scam it p- romance scams. The FTC has some stuff on it. So at the end, I'll send them the, the scam line for the romance scammers um, for, from the FTC. But um, when they're like, can I call you? I'm like, here's my number. But um, So that's fun, and oh, I have fun funny. there. But then there's the people. Um, sometimes the super far-left liberal trolls will be like, oh, think tanks don't matter, nothing you do matters. And I just kind of mock them. It's annoying when they got lots and lots of people out, and they're like communists, like actual communists, mm-hmm. psychos. So that's annoying. And then there's the um, there's the people who are just disingenuous, who are really smart people, who know better. Um, I had one law professor who I, you know, we would agree now and then, but he just got so nasty and he kept trying to paint me as homophobic. And I was really frustrated by it because I'm not. I've been pro-same-sex marriage longer than Hillary Clinton. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I was I was really upset, so I eventually blocked him. But with the exception of people who really... Work. And that was a professor? Yeah, I was really that's, upset about that.
0: Yeah, that's Because you want them to engage. And, even yeah. if he thought and one it of was... your
1: professors. No, no, no not okay, one of mine. No, okay, um, I didn't like most of mine. I had a couple great ones, but uh, not a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah, I guess the academ- academia and where they're where they're where they are right now is a whole different issue oh yeah
1: right it's um it, it was frustrating though because I, I speak with lots of liberal law professors and lawyers and I love them I love hearing their perspective when we agree and when we disagree but th- this guy was just going too far so I blocked him but that's rare usually if someone's coming after me I'll retweet them and mock them because they're being stupid because I'm so sound on what I'm doing and so thoughtful like I have thought you're of confident. every poll. Yeah. You're confident. So if if they um when they come at me with something dumb, I'll retweet them, mock them. All my followers will like laugh and like it's we have a good time. Um most of them don't matter. Like I'd say honestly 99% don't matter. Mm-hmm. The 1% are the people who have influence who are going to try to make you look bad. Um those are they're frustrating, but if you if you've thought through what you're doing and if you have a sound thing and you don't you also don't say even the right thing at the wrong time just like you want to you don't want to say insensitive stuff after a big bad event whether right it be a shooting or a terrorist attack so you you kind of think through timing there but if you if you're doing the right thing and if you're careful about timing and what you're saying and even like maybe there's views you have that don't like if you're running for office for example and there's views that you wouldn't be able to implement like let's say you're running for president and you're pro-life like there's not so much you can do there, there there's a limited amount so signing a bill or not but maybe that's not an issue you focus on because that's not your role or if you're running for a city council focus on what you would do there and if someone's like what do you think about immigration well that's not that's not your job there right. make that clear and focus on what your job is um, you can weigh in on other stuff but kind of think about it narrowly think about what you want to get across your purpose on right. the platform um, so then that really ends up reducing the amount of haters and if you can explain stuff to people in a good way in a very Arthur Brooks kind way um, I don't live up to his standard though because I do mock people when they're mean um and it's just fun oh another one is people think i'm a senator because my handle is at senator Shoshana. so i'll knock them then i'll be like oh send me twenty thousand dollars and i'll work on this issue for you and sometimes they'll cc the fbi i'm like yeah that's that works oh that is hilarious (laughs) but it's not as scary it's worth it to jump in and you kind of early on the, the criticism you get you'll kind of learn okay is this a common theme Am I communicating this wrong? You know, kind of question yourself because you might realize this person and I probably have more common ground. Why isn't this getting across? How can I change what I'm saying? So let it change you there. You know, use it as a helpful tool. Most of the time you're going to be fine. Do you feel like you're influencing people through... Twitter? So my favorite thing is when state legislators DM me and say, hey, I like this policy. How can I do it? That's my favorite. Or when people are like, hey, I, um, I'm writing a paper for my class on the subject you talked about. Like, sometimes I feel like, am I just talking to the wall? But then I get those messages and I'm like, oh my gosh. Or are actually listening. Yeah. And yeah. I'll talk even about, I'm very open about my medical conditions because I think it, it just helps other people yeah. to know that not everyone has it easy because sometimes if you feel like you're the only one, it's alone. Or if you know someone that you like has it too. It's like, oh, we have the same thing. So I'll get messages being like, I'm so glad you talked about what you went through. Doctors, I went through the same thing. So on all this kind of stuff, it's really cool to me to like have people I admire and just kind people reach out with this stuff. Um, and feedback too sometimes people are like hey they would have responded better if you said this like it's I, I get to workshop messaging on Twitter there's so much good to it you know I know that everyone's mad at it right now but I really like it I've gotten so much value I've gotten um, we've actually I think we've gotten donors from Twitter eventually like because people are like oh, this works amazing well, how can I help and we've gotten hires from Twitter like there's so much good to be had it, it's really endless
0: so and you think Do you do you think that for the average woman who might be dipping her toe into the political pool or policy pool or has an issue that she cares about uh, but is kind of hesitant to put herself out there in that way. You think you say go for it.
1: Yeah, go for it. Ease and be comfortable with it. And probably
0: that there's a lot of other women who are thinking yeah. about the same things that they're thinking about. Exactly. Uh, and that they'd be surprised by the feedback.
1: And talk about it. Talk about your hesitancy. So if you want to run for office but you're like, I don't know if I would want to be that, talk about it. Talk about what you're thinking and why you would be uncomfortable with it and other women will give you feedback. Um, you know, I don't want to run for office. That's just not what I'm interesting, interested in. I like being able to influence politicians everywhere and learn from. Yeah people yeah. everywhere and that's I just I like my role but um but if someone would think they'd be good in office, you know, learn from learn how to talk to different people. Learn um, what your constituency looks like online, what they're interested in um, and figure out. And th- there's just so much benefit you can get from it. Not that you need to jump in all at once, but follow people whose voices you like. See how they engage. Mm, that's good. Advice. Look at their replies too, see how they engage with people and stuff. Um, and just follow anyone that's interesting and say kind stuff. Yeah, I love that. Well, Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for um, all that advice. Tell people again where they can find you. Thank you. I'm at Senator Shoshana on Twitter. Um, if you go, if you type Shoshana into Twitter, I think I have the most followers of any Shoshana, which isn't a high bar, but like I'm proud. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I think that that's a
0: I, I don't know fifty thousand. That still baffles me. So uh, that's a pretty high bar. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, so uh, Senator uh, Senator spelled out. Yeah, Senator Shoshana on Twitter, um, and. Well, it's been just learning, learning so much from you and congratulations on everything that you have been able to accomplish at such a young, young age. And thank you for the work that you're doing to further, further
1: freedom and, uh, and yeah, keep at it. Keep at it. No, thanks for having me. I've, I'm a longtime fan of TPPF, so it's an honor.
0: (laughs) Oh, great. Great. Well, um, well, we look forward to, to following you on Twitter and keeping up with everything that you're doing from here on out. (laughs) Thank you so much. Do you have a story or a question you want answered? Send me a note at ellen at stepuppodcast.com. Also, give Step Up a rating and review in Apple Podcasts so we can reach and inspire more women. Don't forget to subscribe. I'm Ellen Troxclair. Thanks for listening. Now go advocate like a woman.